Hey there, you're tuned in to the A-Side, B-Side podcast brought to you by the Station for Innovation 92 WICB. My name is Laura Cook. And I'm Sam Ives. The A-Side covering an album you probably have heard, the B-Side covering an album you probably haven't. Stay tuned and enjoy. We'll start with the A-Side. Welcome to this third episode of the A-Side, B-Side podcast. I'm Laura Cook, your host for the A-Side. I'm here today with Sam Ives, who you probably recognize from the B-Side podcast, the host of the B-Side, and then our very own jazz and specialty director, Connor Hibbert. So thanks for joining me today, guys. Yeah. Howdy. So today we're going to be talking about El Camino by the Black Keys, which I know Sam is a big, big fan of the Black Keys, so I'm sure he's very excited to get started talking about this. Uh, And I wanted to provide just a little background on the album first. It's the seventh studio album of the rock duo, The Black Keys. It was produced by Danger Mouse and the duo Dan Auerbach and Patrick Carney. It was released on December 6, 2011. So it's getting a little up there in age, almost 10 years old now. And I didn't know this, but the album was the follow-up to the band's album Brothers, which was seen as their commercial breakthrough. And there's a lot of elements of rock and roll, like surf rock, glam rock, and soul on this album. Those are all genres that I really like and subgenres, I guess you could call them. So I'm excited to dive in uh, and talk about this. Do you guys have first thoughts and impressions, likes, dislikes? I've heard this album all the way through many times now. I first listened to it, I'd say, maybe not all of the songs from it, but definitely the singles like Lonely Boy, Gold on the Ceiling, like all the way back when they came out, late 2011, 2012. Something, something that, that I love about it is that it's, it's so loud, it's so energetic. All of the tracks are supposed to be played live. Like that's basically the goal of the album, to make an entire album that can be played live. And God, I miss live music. Yeah, I absolutely love this entire album. I came into this knowing very little about the Black Keys. I enjoyed it. I don't think, probably don't love it as much as as Sam or Laura. I think, and, and I'm sure we'll get into the specific tracks later on. I think they all are very energetic, and I would imagine this is fantastic live. This really isn't my world of music, so I guess I don't appreciate it fully as much as some others do i did appreciate a lot of the surf rock touches in my podcast out to lunch plug 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 i did an episode on the beach boys so i would i kind of got into surf rock over this past few weeks that was probably my favorite part of the album the the surf rock influences i should recognize that i mean i i like the i think the lyricism is great i think the writing is very good the content and the themes may not be very original and a lot of the songs really do hit the same notes in terms of theme and uh story that they're telling honestly i don't think that's a bad thing the this album isn't as bluesy as more of their earlier albums or their albums after this but there's still a lot of blues there's still a lot of sadness but singing in a happy way to kind of get over the sadness I'm glad you brought up theme, Sam, because I was noticing that as well. I actually wrote a lot of notes down about the theme of this album because it was very clear. And what I got from it was this story of a man who is kind of infatuated with a woman or kind of in in love with someone in a very toxic way. And they know that 
it's bad, but can't quite let go. And I think with each track, it's them back and forth, mulling it over in their head, thinking of all the ways in which this person has hurt them, but still they just can't let go. The idea of the blues that I'm in love and it's so great. I love being in love. It's such a terrific feeling. But oh, there's something about this love that's just not right or not good. And maybe the singer recognizes that it's them that's the problem. Or maybe they're just at a loss for what the problem is, even though it's staring them right in the face in the lyrics. That is what the blues is at its core. It's just sadness, but also, again, um, making it a little happy. I agree. So now I want to ask specifically about tracks. What were your guys' favorite, least favorite tracks and why? So in leading up to my favorite track, there were, there was, so my favorite track is Little Black Submarines. So there was Lonely Boy, Dead and Gone, and Gold on the Ceiling. And I was like, this is cool, nice hooks, but they're all kind of the same exact thing. And I was looking for a little change up. And then I was very pleased with Little Black Submarines because it gave me the change up. The half acoustic ballad, half heavy rock, fantastic. And I was listening to, I was driving to WICB when I was listening to it. And I was lulled into the acoustic ballad and then out of nowhere, it just hit me and I like jump back. It, it's a song. And even when it, it's a heavy rock, like I think the song takes its time with what it wants to do. It's, I forgot how long it is, probably somewhere around four minutes. I think it, it really takes its time and lulls the listener in and then not really pushes them back out, but definitely changes up obviously the mood and the tone changes up their expectations for the rest of the album going forward it it uses the element of surprise to its advantage this was by a mile my favorite track connor i completely agree i thought this was a track that stood out from the rest i think something that i don't necessarily love about this album is that a lot of the tracks are very similar and kind of blend together and i can't always distinguish one from the other but with this track little black submarines it's very obvious that this one is different because it does go at such a different pace. It's obviously slower, more like a ballad. I think you definitely won't get this song confused with another one of the songs on the album because it's so different. And I really liked the transition from the slow ballad style to the more upbeat style. I thought that worked really well. Um, and there were some really cool guitarists and drum beats, which are just such a fun staple of the band, I think. So I also really like this song. Connor, you hit it right on the nose. The, the first three tracks of this album, they're all, oh, first of all, there's five singles on this album, 11 tracks, five of them singles. Uh, the first three tracks are the first three singles, Lonely Boy, Gold on the Ceiling, and Dead and Gone. And like I like they're I I think they're all extremely good and they work extremely well and they've they they're loud and they get the song out there they get the feeling out there they get the lyrics and the guitar riffs the guitar riffs out there and they do that so well and then Little Black Submarines number four another single also uh, I believe it was the last single actually but. Little Black Submarines slows you down. Like, ah, I have time to breathe. Okay, okay. I'm collecting myself and, oh, I'm actually listening to the lyrics. I'm actually hearing them. 
they're actually going they're they're really going in oh this is this is actually sad this is really sad and then right right towards more more than halfway through the track dan auerbach hits you with the guitar patrick carney come come comes back in the, on the percussion uh, i think i <laughs> i i made you go first because i i was still trying to, to decide for myself whether or not i could get an answer for my favorite tracks and i think little black submarines might be my favorite as well uh but i guess i'll say it's probably tied with lonely boy and just barely ahead of gold on the ceiling lonely boy does have that it has that nostalgia for me because it was the first track by the black keys i ever heard it did bring me into the band and it is such a perfect representation of their sound and their themes but yeah little black submarines again in a, a very great song Sam, I, I, the whole time you were speaking, I wanted to like applaud. I completely agree with everything you just said. For me personally, you know, it might seem basic, but Lonely Boy is my favorite track on the album. It might just be because I've known it the most. Not, it may be a little basic, but, but these are all, <laughs> no judgment here, Laura, especially not Glad to hear me. it. <laughs> Glad to hear it, yes. Because, I mean, this song is iconic. Let's be real. This is their most famous song, essentially. And it's just so good. And I, I think it's interesting that it's the first song on the album. It just, boom, throws you right into it. Uh, I wrote in my notes, starting off the album with a bang. It's just so catchy. Uh, I I always feel like I say this, but so so such movie vibes, very main character-esque, just very intense. And it lifts you up, even if you're upset or suffering it's like you're just kind of going for it you're just throwing yourself into life which I really like and I like the lyrics I, I got a love that keeps me waiting I'm not really sure why I just think it's it's very direct and very clear what this person wants they're lonely but they're almost determined there's a sort of determination in the singer or um, narrator that I really like they know what they want but they're going to be patient for it and they're determined to get what they want eventually. I think it's a very motivating song, which I really like. Uh, it kind of reminds me not to give up or not to give up hope. But this song, again, is just so iconic, so fun. It's I have a playlist on Spotify of my favorite songs of all time, and this is on there. I love this song. It's so good, so fun. I never get sick of listening to it. I think also, I kind of coincidentally like a lot of the singles on this album. I really like Gold on the Ceiling. That might be my next favorite. And I also really like Little Black Submarines. After those three, my other favorites are probably Dead and Gone and Nova Baby. Uh, I really like those. What were you guys' thoughts on those? I want to hear a little bit about Gold on the Ceiling, maybe. Maybe we can touch more on Lonely Boy since it is so uh, so iconic. Let's start with those. Gold on the Ceiling and Lonely Boy. They're, they're the most mainstream tracks from this album. And part of the reason for that is because in the early 2010s, they were marketed, they were used in commercials and movies and trailers and everything. And honestly, making that money back in 2011, 2012, you know, that led to them making a bit more of an experimental album with Turn Blue, which a lot of people diss. I really like Turn Blue. Some of my favorite Black Keys songs are from Turn Blue. Uh, their next album came out in 2014 and it might maybe wouldn't have been as successful without 
uh, Lonely Boy and Gold on the Ceiling doing what they did. But as for the rest of the album, because again, there are five singles, but still six tracks that aren't, I still, I still like them a whole lot. And I think honestly, the main reason why they're not my absolute favorites might just be that I haven't heard them nearly as much. That, that might be really what it's come down to. Uh, for me, all of these songs are bangers. All of them could have been singles, honestly. Uh, Connor, I'm curious, what were your thoughts on Gold on the Ceiling specifically? I So if there was one track that I like thought I had heard before but wasn't sure it was Gold on the Ceiling, I was not familiar with anything else on this album, but I feel like Gold on the Ceiling stuck in my mind. Um, yeah, like, like I said, all three of the songs before Little Black Submarines were kind of like, I was waiting for that shift and I got it with Little Black Submarines. I think of those three, Gold on My Ceiling is probably the favorite. It's got a nice kind of classic hard rock edge with that guitar lick. I enjoyed it. Laura, you mentioned movies and, you know, movie main character feel. I wanted to touch on Nova Baby quickly because Nova Baby is the soundtrack to your average teen movie montage scene. That is the exact vibe that I got. I felt like I was watching like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, Bend It Like Beckham, you know, She's All That, kind of this 90s, mid-2000s teen romp. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely a sunnier track, I think, than a lot of the others. That was that was one of my favorites. <laughs> mentioned that. I This one was also, Nova Baby was also one of my top tracks on the album. I actually hadn't heard it before I really dove into this album and listened to all the tracks for this episode. Um, but as soon as, as soon as it started, I was like, oh, I, I like this with the opening guitar riff and hooks. I was already intrigued. I loved, loved, loved the transition and build up from the verse to the chorus. I was really hooked with that. I thought that was awesome. And I thought just the chorus had a great sound, great melody, kind of going back to our theme a little bit of this twisted love. I think the singer is sort of lamenting the pain they've been put through because their lover doesn't know what they want. Um, and the singer's trying to hold on to something, but it's just not enough. So I thought this was a very emotional track and emotion is something that's very important to me in music. I'm glad you like this one also because I really enjoyed listening to this song. Nova Baby for me, I have a, a strange uh, association with the song and it is because one time I was listening to Nova Baby um, in my apartment, just in the living room, I don't know, vibing, doing what I do. Um, probably playing Minecraft or something, I don't know, when I hear a meow from outside my window. I hear a cat, and I look outside, and I, I recognize the cat. She wants to come in. I let her in. That cat that came in during the song Nova Baby was my friend's cat named Nova. And so that was probably a year and a half ago that happened. I can't listen to Nova Baby without thinking of, uh, of a little white cat named Nova. I like that story. It's really cute. And then Gold on the Ceiling. Apparently, back in 2012, One Direction did a cover of Gold on the Ceiling during one of their concerts. I would love to find that recording just to compare. I'd love to listen to that to see what it's like. I'm going to try to find that now. That's that's kind of crazy. That's not very on brand for One Direction, I feel like. But no. it's very cool. 
It's a very weird track to put in a boy band setting. Exactly. <laughs> Agreed, Connor, yes. So now I want to talk a little bit more about some of the later tracks on the album. Um, let's talk about Moneymaker right after Little Black Submarines. This is where I started to really hear the surf rock that I was really enjoying. It's a very hooky song, and it, it the hook is really nice. Definitely kept my attention. I think the surf rock is really what did it for me, and it's, it's even more so in the next track, Run Right Back. I think Moneymaker is like, it's a nice bridge almost if you're listening to the album chronologically it's a nice it's 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 it fits well between little black submarines and run right back it's a good a median a transition yeah and with moneymaker and run right back um especially having run right back come right after moneymaker i thought the theme of the album was very very clear and same going into the next song sister uh the singer seems very angry at this other person and and is considering leaving because she's cold-hearted and this lyric especially hit i thought it was i used to say i need you but now i gotta leave you like that's pretty intense that's that's pretty perfect also you took advantage of the one who showed you love that's a call out right there i mean that is this is a targeted track so I liked it for that reason. And then going into Stop, Stop, uh, another another song that I found to be extremely catchy, but I just think Black Key songs in general are extremely catchy. Finally, I want to touch on the last track of the album, the ending, Mind Eraser. What were your guys' thoughts on this track? If I can go first, because I have kind of an interesting story. Not really. But um, so Mind Eraser is in the central New York area. There is a amusement park called Darien Lake that is about two hours from my home at Fantastic Park. And I'm a theme park guy. And at Darien Lake, there is a suspended looping roller coaster called the Mind Eraser. And it really jostles you around. It's very rough. It's very fun, but you kind of have a headache going off of it. Um, And this is the soundtrack to Mind Eraser. Mind Eraser is the soundtrack to Mind Eraser. Not actually, but like figuratively. Like this song kind of jostles you around, I feel, in a figurative way. It just made me think of Mind Eraser. I, I really enjoyed this song. It's definitely one of the bluesier songs on this album. A bit more like this this song, more than most of the other ones, definitely just says 50s, 60s, 70s to me. I really like this track. I thought it was, if we're talking about album flow overall, and I personally thought the album flowed very well, I thought this track was a perfect way to end the album. The singer finally realizes that he just needs to move on from this person. They know in their heart it's time to leave this messed up relationship or whatever it is, but deep down they just don't want to let go. It's so sad and it's so gut-punching. And I thought the very end of the song was perfect. I wrote in my notes, perfect in all caps. There's kind of this long, these long drawn out guitar notes that to me just seem to explain the emotions of the singer perfectly. Like, oh, come on, why wasn't this able to work out? I know I need to move on, but I'm just still really upset with the way things turned out. Um, And I think just that last little instrumental bit of the song did a perfect job conveying that message in just a few seconds, and especially since it was the last few seconds on the album. Starting off the album, Lonely Boy, getting you right into it, just banging out those guitar licks, that heavy, harsh percussion, getting right at it. And then moving on, you keep at it, Little Black Submarines is a little break, but then you keep going, you keep going, you keep feeling these feelings. And then Laura, you nailed it. He's finally 
really starting to realize and accept uh, some of his realities. And we end off with that in Mind Eraser as the perfect ending to the album. Thank you, Sam and Connor, for joining me today to talk about El Camino by the Black Keys. I love this album. I think it's great. And I'm really glad I got the chance to speak to some people about it and discuss it, break it down. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed the album too. Thanks for having me as well. And I enjoyed the album as well. Great to hear it. Thank you guys. Hello, podcast listeners. We've come to the point in this cast where those listening on vinyl or cassette would have to stand up or sit down and turn over their records. In fairness to those listeners who do not actually exist, we'll take a leaf out of Tom Petty's book and use this as an opportunity to transition us into the second half of this podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and here's the B-side. The B-side has begun. I'm Sam Ives, the host of the B-side, and we'll be going over The Beach's EP, The Professional. I'm joined by Ryan Bieber and Colin Costa-Walsh. It's good to be back. Likewise. I really love this album. I've loved it for the past year and a half uh, since I learned of its existence. The first track I, I listened to off this album, Want What You Got, is... At first, I thought there's no way that this is not a single. I found out that it's not a single, which I think is kind of a shame, you know, when you find out something like that, but then I kind of realized that, hey, maybe it's nice. It's kind of nice to have your favorite song on the album not be the single, not be the most popular track. Yeah, and if the song is not a single and you think it's that good, what does that say about the rest of the songs? You know the other ones will be just as good, just as hit-making as that one, if not better. It is important to acknowledge, uh, kind of right off the bat, that we all, we are three guys, and this is an album made by women about experiences being a woman, and, you know, I also kind of recognize that there are some experiences on the album that I, I can't really relate to directly, and, you know, that's okay, because, you know, it's really good music. I just want to start off getting a sense from you two, so I already shared, Want What You Got is my favorite song off the EP. Uh, what are your favorite songs? Well, I went in not knowing what to expect, and the first song, not not even from the first song, from the first few notes, Desdemona, I, I was hooked. Just the, the way it started off with the, all the instruments in unison, I was like, oh, yes, I like this a lot. I believe Desdemona was the single from the CP. My personal favorite was the, the final track on the EP, Lame. Lame. Sorry, continue. That that's it. I, I just I just thought it, it embodied their their sound the best. Lame brings in something I think an underappreciated sound in songs these days. I get it from listening to my classic rock, my Led Zeppelin, my Rolling Stones. There's nothing like a good old shriek. You know, Lame has got a shriek to start us off and to end off the song. I just, it's fun to just shriek. Especially if you're trying to end the whole thing with like a bang, you know, if you just go out like that, can't top it. I would say, yeah, if when you're talking about you know, Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones, I would say that's the 
at least to me, the most 70s or 80s sounding rock kind of song on the album. I was also getting kind of Joan Jett vibes, not just mm. because they're women, but there was um, some similar, I guess, mannerisms with the vocals and the mm. just the, as you were saying, the shouts and whatnot. Yeah, they're not, they're, they're women rockers. They're not women trying to be rockers. They're not women trying to emulate male rockers. Like the beaches are, are women rockers, women rock and rollers. Modern rock is such a large genre, is such a broad genre. And this album, this band, really embodies modern rock, you know? Yeah. Like, there's modern rock, and then there's modern rock. Yeah, I, I know what you mean by that. They definitely, yeah, they're, play, they're paying homage to their roots. I, I personally have no idea what you mean by that. <laughs> no, see, it's it's Colin. It's 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 modern rock. Okay, there's a very modern, subtle difference there. It seems like it's all it's all about how I'm enunciating rock. Okay, the, there's the genre, the broad genre of modern rock, in which there's prog rock, alt rock. Some say uh, indie rock is is at least mostly within modern rock. This is modern, modern, present day rock and roll, is what I'm getting at. Take notes, class. This is very important. Mm. Semantics. I'm taking rock styles. I do also need to say that um, you two, I believe you know this about me. I've never been shy about this knowledge, this this fact. Uh, but I do believe that the bass is just about the best musical instrument ever created gasp you hear me gushing about this album about this band and yeah uh i i feel like that's that's it's kind of obvious there's there's a lot of bass on this track there's a lot of bass guitar and i am absolutely here for it yeah well here's the thing i'm not the kind of guy who's usually like listening for the bass or saying like oh did you just hear that bass line but with this when there is good bass you can really it really takes the song to the next level and in this case with a lot of the songs as you're saying very bass heavy but just the the riffs and the lines that they're playing, it's its driving the whole song forward. So for me, the bass was a standout on this EP. I, I came at it from a very different perspective because for me, and I don't know if I was listening to it on headphones that were too low or whatever, but the the, the high end, the, the, the crunch, the vocals, uh, the guitars sort of drowned out the low end for me. Ah, um, you missed out. And I, I really don't know if that was my own listening setup or not. But speaking of the high end, there was there was throughout uh, the entire EP there was there was this crunch, this distortion, which which is a character uh, in the it seems like in in this entire musical group. On one song in particular, uh, the second track of the EP, Fascination, has a whole segment where the vocals are just incredibly distorted and i'm not sure what the point was but it i i just noticed it and it it was seemed a bit out of place to me i would say just like you were mentioning the crunch the static if it is a stylistic choice would be lending to that gritty sound they're creating and if we are Mm -hmm. talking about going back to the a side i think a characteristic that i also find in the black keys is that kind of crunchy distorted sound and i felt that carried over with a lot of the songs on this ep as well pretty crunchy as colin was saying after the first two songs which are pretty loud 
Yeah, Snake Tongue is... The song starts off a bit quieter, a bit slower, right in the middle. The third track of five, Snake Tongue, slows you down, gets a little quiet, kind of lulls you in. You're like, all right, all right, wait. Okay, we're toned down, we're toned down. And you, and by you, I mean guys, are called out. Called out real good. And then while you sit back and think about uh, how terrible you are, because guys are terrible. It's true. Then... The music starts to pick back up again, starts to pick back up again, and just when you want to start enjoying the album and the fun again, then you're called out for sending dick pics and how they're boring and how you're not original and you're still terrible. And you feel bad again. A very clearly written song. Uh, the, there's, no, there's no metaphor or anything in the lyrics. It's just right out there. They're right out there saying, hey, uh, don't send me dick pics, lads. Don't do it. Uh, stop catcalling me. I don't like it. I mean, I guess that's that's the nice thing about having an all-female band. They're taking these perspectives that, you know, maybe you wouldn't, you obviously might not hear with a male band. So you are getting, I guess, new stories and we're getting called out on our BS, which is important. It's, it's like that meme. Um... The Beaches could write Gold on the Ceiling, but the Black Keys could not write Snake Tongue. Mmm, I like that. Or, oh. Is that an actual meme? Yeah, I was gonna ask. Uh, no, oh, not. It's it's a meme, not not with those exact artists, but okay. it's, it's. Oh, it's. Okay, I get it. No, no, no. I, I do, I do wanna, I do wanna make a joke on this meme because the original meme is just taking, like, a K pop band or, like, <laughs> One Direction. And saying like they could write this famous Beatles track, but the Beatles could never write. Yeah, yeah, okay. Like, light up my world like nobody else, or whatever. But the Beaches could write Helter Skelter, but the Beatles could never write Snake Tongue. Got him. I would like to talk about you know the production side of Snake Tongue a little bit. I felt if this is modern rock, this definitely aired toward the more modern side. And when I was doing research, I found one of the producers on. Uh, this EP had worked with U2 even and I was kind of hearing some of those similarities within this track just in terms of the effects on the guitar the drawn out the drawn out vocals and um, yeah in that term this the drums too were more synthetic I don't know for sure if they were software drums or real drums but they were definitely more compressed and there were more effects on it so it was definitely their most modern piece I know I definitely heard a drum machine in one of their tracks. I would say it's this one, then. If you if you heard it, this one sounded like it. Which isn't bad. Just No, it's good. I like, the, you know, there is versatility in, even though it's only five tracks, they do explore a few different genres. Yeah, you can hear their sound in every song. Every song is obviously, every song sounds like a The Beaches song, but... Yeah, they really do. Act, they they in in a in a short amount of time they do cover a, a good amount of ground. I will say I wish. Well, again, this does show off a lot of versatility. I would be interested in hearing in this EP in particular. There were no really stripped down songs. No like bearing their soul. I guess nothing with super heartfelt lyrics, which isn't a bad thing. But I would be very interested in seeing that side of them. And I don't know if. They have shown it in their previous albums, but just based off the CP. A blues album from the beaches. <laughs> Absolutely. You heard it here first, folks. The people have spoken, and they want the beaches 
to do a blues album. The Beaches, named after an area of Toronto. That's right. This is a Canadian band. Mmm, I like that, eh? An area of Toronto where three of the four band members grew up. Uh, Jordan Miller on lead vocals and bass, which is an interesting combination, gotta say. Kylie Miller on guitar. Leandra Earl on keyboards and guitar. And Eliza Edmund McDaniel on drums and percussion. Colin, Ryan, thank you for joining me. And, as always, I will seaside you later. You say, as always, as if you've been on every one of many episodes. This is two times in a row. I think I'm about to get a call back to be a permanent fixture on this show, you know? We'll see. This concludes the B-side. Two albums. One you probably know, one you probably don't. The A-Side, B-Side Podcast, brought to you by WICB.